0: Glad to see y'all here today. Uh, It is always a pleasure to cross the Verrazano. And pay that toll to be here with y'all every couple weeks. Uh, Like John said, uh, my name is Johnny. If we haven't met, if you don't know me, uh, I'm one of the leaders in our Staten Island campus. Thank you. Um, We need that in Staten Island. Nobody brings me water. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, but I, I always love coming here and being able to share a Sunday with y'all and, and preach God's word. Um, let's pray. Father, I ask that you would speak through me today. Let none of the words be my own, uh, but by your spirit communicate what you wish to your people. This is your church, God. Uh, we ask for your presence here today. Amen. Amen. So, about six or seven years ago, uh, I made a doctor's appointment. Um, it was my first doctor's appointment in about six or seven years, because as a stereotypical Puerto Rican man, I only go to the doctor when something is very broken. Um, and what prompted this visit uh, was that I was, I was having some shortness of breath, right? I noticed that when I shouldn't be out of breath, I was out of breath. Uh, and so... Growing up with asthma, I outgrew my asthma, but I was thought maybe my asthma may, made a comeback. Maybe it was coming for round two. Maybe I needed a pump or something like that. So I made a doctor's appointment, and I went to the doctor first time in like six, seven years. Uh, the doctor did the checkup, said everything was fine, which is pretty impressive for not going to the doctor in six, seven years. Uh, but when she checked my lungs, she said everything was cool. She said, there's nothing, I'm not seeing anything that would point to asthma. So now I have a big question mark because I'm feeling shortness of breath that I know is is weird and not normal. And then she follows up with the question. She said, have you been stressed lately? I was very confused by this question. I was taken aback. I didn't know how to answer. I paused for a second, considered the question, looked at her and, and answered something to the effect of, yeah, are you not? Right? Asking me if I was stressed was like asking me if I was alive, if the sky was blue, if water was wet, if three lefts make a right. It was just a fact of life that I had come to accept that if I was going to be alive, I was going to be constantly carrying stress and worry and anxiety because life is hard. I was always going to feel like the rug was going to be pulled out from under me, like the walls were going to crumble around me. I've just accepted this as a fact of life. And what her question did was posing an alternative to me that I genuinely had not considered up until that point that there's another way to live, that this isn't just the default of human existence. I hadn't considered this before. I hadn't considered the invitation that Jesus makes to us in the Gospel of Matthew. And that's what we're gonna read from today. Uh, if you have your sheets with you, the scripture is on there. If you don't, uh, we're reading from Matthew 11. Verses 28 through 30. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so what we're seeing here is a call that Jesus makes to everybody who is experiencing life this way, who's experiencing life weary and burdened and beaten down and heavy and exhausted and tired. And he says, if you come to me, you will find rest. And I can't think of a more applicable, a more apt, a more tangible, a more uh, uh, attractive call to the gospel for our world today than the invitation to find rest. Right. When I'm talking with people, I rarely say how you doing and am responded to with uh, so restful. funny, that's how Justin responded to me this morning, Uh, but that's the first time in a long time. It doesn't happen often, right? The most common talking points are, I'm tired, it's been a long week, work's been crazy, it's been a couple crazy days, it's going to be a few crazy days, right? I mean, after all, we live in the city that never sleeps. We hold to the ideology of the great poet, Nasir Jones. I never sleep because sleep is the cousin of death. If you got that, you a real one. <laughs> we work our nine to fives and then we work our nine to f- our five to nines after that. Right. <laughs> we have our jobs and then we have our side hustles. Then we have our side side hustles. Uh, we've been taught that that busyness and tiredness is a virtue. It's something that we should be proud of, something that we need to brag about. We're so busy during our weeks. That all the work that doesn't get done spills over into the weekends, and before we know it, we blink, and we're back at work on Monday morning, never have rested, never have gotten a break like we're in an episode of severance. We're so desperate for rest that we take vacations that leave us in debt. And then we get back from these vacations and are even more stressed because we have to catch up on all the work we missed while we were out on vacation. Has anybody experienced vacation that way? We're living through a pandemic, a new war, inflation higher than it's been, interest rates higher than they've been. Life is heavy and stressful right now across the board. And this is unsustainable for us. We can't keep living this way. And if we're honest with ourselves, deep down inside, we know it. We might not be pausing enough to really think about it. But if you did, you know that, that continuing at this pace is not sustainable. It's not, we're not going to survive this way. But none of us know how to get out of the cycle, how to break the cycle that we're in. Because life just keeps happening. The bills keep coming. Rent is always due. I have to go back to work. The kids need clothes. The house needs food. Life keeps happening, and we don't know how to break this cycle. And so this promise from Jesus to find rest in him is very, very appealing. It's a very attractive call, like sign me up. If I'm being honest, sometimes it's easier for me to believe that Jesus was born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit than it is for me to believe that I can find rest. Sometimes it's easier for me to believe that Jesus turned water into wine than it is for me to believe that I can find rest, that he died, was buried, and rose three days later than it is for me to believe that I can find rest. And so today we're gonna look at this promise that Jesus makes, this call, this invitation, and we're gonna examine what this rest is that Jesus promised, and how can we find it? First, let's look at how we find it. Jesus is making a really big statement here when he says, come to me, and you will find rest. In Jeremiah 6.16, God said this through the prophet Jeremiah, thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. And so what Jesus is telling the people that he's speaking to who would have been familiar with this passage from Jeremiah, he's saying that good path, that path to rest that God told you to take, I'm that path. The path that leads to rest, it's me. Following that path is equivalent to following me. I'm the only way to to God. I'm the only way to rest. Jesus was making a very big statement here. And he says to take this path is to yoke yourself to him, to take upon his yoke. Now, to the people Jesus was talking to, this analogy would have made a lot of sense but to a bunch of people sitting in a warehouse in Sunset Park in the year 2022, probably not so much. Most of us have probably never seen a yoke, never heard of a yoke, don't know what a yoke is used for. A lot of us are from Brooklyn, so maybe you've yoked somebody up. (laughs) And if that's the case, you're actually closer to the definition than you realize. A yoke was a tool that farmers used. It, it was a board that they put around the necks of two animals, and it was used to attach a, a, a load to those animals. And so they would pull a cart, but the yoke was necessary to allow the animals to pull the cart. That's what Jesus is talking about. And so Jesus is saying the same way that one animal is yoked to another, you should be yoked to me. The way the yoke worked was that it connected two animals and typically one of the animals was older and stronger and more experienced. And the other animal was younger. It had potential, but it wasn't as strong yet. It wasn't experienced. It hadn't been doing the work. And so by yoking them together, the older animal would teach the younger animal how you're supposed to walk, how, where you're supposed to go, what directions you're supposed to turn. It would teach the younger animal how to do the work, how to carry the load that it was given. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, what he's doing is giving a call to discipleship in him. He's saying, come and be my disciple the way a younger animal learns from the older one. Come and attach yourself to me and learn from me how you are supposed to carry the burdens and the lows that you have in this life. It's a call to walking With Jesus, walking alongside Jesus, going where Jesus goes. It's a call call to learning from Jesus. How is he saying we should live our lives? It's committing to living life the way he has called you to. Let's think for a second about uh, 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 some of the first disciples, the original disciples that Jesus called. They were fishermen, they were tax collectors, they were living their lives. Jesus comes to them and says, come follow me, be my disciple. And we read stories of them turning their back on everything they knew, turning their back on what they thought was best for their lives to follow Jesus and go where he says they should be going. This is the same call he's making to the crowd he's speaking to, and this is the call that he's making to us today. And he says, if you do this, if you follow me, if you take my yoke upon you, if you become my disciple, you will find rest for your soul. Now, what exactly is the rest that he's promising? When I think of rest, I think of sleeping in on a Saturday, right? Maybe you think of being on the beach with a pina colada. Beach is a very stressful place for me. That's why I made that differentiation. Sand is terrible. I dislike the beach. But maybe that's restful to you. Maybe you think of a vacation, right? Maybe you think of a week off from work. Maybe you think of spring break. But the imagery that Jesus used of a yoke would have invoked a picture of work to the people he was talking to. And that seems counterintuitive. If Jesus is saying, come to me and you'll find rest, why would he use a picture of work? Those things seem to conflict. That doesn't make any sense to me. I want to rest. Why are you telling me to come and work? I need rest. I'm weary and burdened, remember? But it's because Jesus isn't offering us an invitation to escape life. Instead, he's offering us an invitation to experience life better. Right? I just got back from Disney a month or two ago. I had a fantastic time. I forgot how cool Disney was. I haven't been since I was a kid. It was our first vacation in like five or six years. It was much needed. It was so restful. We had a blast. I'm wearing a Mickey Mouse hat now. I just was all in on the whole Disney thing. But when I got back from vacation... My job was still there. I had hundreds of emails to catch up on. We had to do laundry, had to make dinner, had to do grocery shopping, had to pick up all of the things that I left for a week while I was on vacation It didn't change the reality of my life. It just gave me a break from it. This isn't what Jesus is offering us. Jesus is offering us a way to experience life, everyday life, the responsibilities of life, the burdens of life in a way where you maintain rest. This is a much better alternative because I can't afford another Disney trip for a couple years at the least. See, as Christians, we don't get a pass from experiencing life. We don't get a pass from the effects of sin in a fallen world. We have to keep our jobs. We lose our jobs. We lose loved ones. We experience pain. We experience burdens. We experience all of the things that come with the human experience. But the difference is when you do it yoked to Jesus... You keep a joy that you can't have otherwise. Doing it yoked to Jesus comes with a peace that you can't have otherwise. It comes with assurance that you can't have otherwise. It's while you're going through life and experiencing these things, you're not shaken because it doesn't matter what you're going through. That's not where the peace comes from. The peace comes from who you are yoked to. Jesus says, be yoked to me because my burden is easy and light. It's easy and light because he's carrying it with you. He says, I am humble and lowly of heart. He's not dropping a burden on you to crush you, but he's coming alongside to lift the burden with you and teach you how to better carry it. He knows us and he cares for us deeply. After all, he is the creator of our lives. He's the one who made us. He made this world and everything in it. So who better to attach ourselves to and learn how to live life from than the one who created all of it? See, if I, if I had a bag of, of 5,000 Lego pieces right now and I gave it to anybody in the room, assuming there's no Lego masters here, you could probably make something pretty cool with 5,000 pieces, right? Make make a couple buildings. Maybe you can make a car. Maybe you can make a sheep or some type of animal. You can make something pretty cool. But if I gave you those same 5,000 pieces... With the instruction booklet from the people who made those pieces, now you can make the Millennium Falcon. Now you can make something incredible. You can see it live to its full potential, and that's the same idea here. The best way, the way that makes the most sense to go about life is by learning how to do it from the person who created it. This is the invitation Jesus is giving. He's saying, I want to walk alongside of you. I want to teach you what it takes to live this life well, what the best way to live this life is so that you can do it full of rest. And so why wouldn't everyone choose this path? Right? This sounds like a good deal to me. The person who made my life, is offering me an internship to come and learn how to live life from him? Like, like who wouldn't take up this offer? But many of us don't. And it's because like much of the kingdom, it doesn't make sense to our natural selves. On its face, it really doesn't make sense. Because when you start to think about the yoke of Jesus... you realize that there's a lot attached to that. He says, my, my, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. It's light and easy in the sense that it's good, in the sense that it's not gonna crush you, in the sense that he's gonna carry it with you, but it's not light and easy in the sense that it takes no effort and no work. It's actually a much higher call of living. It's a much higher standard of living that doesn't make sense to our earthly self." Think about how Jesus lived his life. He lived it full of sacrifice, full of self-denial, full of servitude, of humility, full of suffering. So there's a lot that comes along with that invitation to take his yoke upon him. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Jesus says, foxes have their holes, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He lived his life unconcerned with getting what was best for him and only concerned with obeying the will of the father, only concerned with those who were around him. This is what he's calling us to when he says, take upon my yoke. So it's not an easy call. It's a call to a high standard of living. Picking up the yoke of Jesus means you're committing to living the same type of life that Jesus lived, to going in the same way that Jesus went. And so it's not an easy path, but Jesus says it's the path to rest for your soul. And so this is what's at stake here. Beloved, those who bear Christ's yoke know rest at the center of their being. As I read this, and and as I was thinking through this scripture, I was reminded of Jesus on the boat during the storm. And if you're not familiar with the story, Jesus is on a boat with his disciples, and they're they're crossing over a a body of water to get to the next place they got to go. And a huge storm comes. And the disciples are scared and they're tripping and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do so their boat doesn't go down. And scripture says that Jesus was in the bottom of the boat asleep, unbothered, unconcerned, unworried because of his, his, his trust in the Father. And he comes out and he calms the storm and it's a big moment with a lot of implication. But that's the type of life, that's the type of rest we can have that no matter what storms of life brew up around us, we don't have to fall apart. We don't have to trip. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be concerned because we're yoked to Jesus because we know if he is leading us, then he's going to carry this with us and we will not be crushed by it. Now, I can't personally say that I've experienced this rest consistently throughout my walk with, with Christ. In fact, there are many, many, many times where I don't experience this rest. In fact, this week writing the sermon, I experienced very little of the rest that Jesus is promising. But I want to share a story about, about a time in my life that I think exemplifies this really, really well. It was. I was about 16 or 17, and this isn't the most recent example, but it's, it's a good one. I'm not saying I haven't felt God's rest in, in 15 years. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, uh, but I remember I was 16 or 17. Me, my mom, and my brother were getting ready to go to a church. We were getting ready to go to a church service. And right before we left the house, we got some, uh, some, some really bad news. There was some, like, emergency that came up. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember it was really, really stressful. It was a terrible thing that had happened that was going to impact us for the next X amount of days. Uh, and it was going to really make, like, living everyday life difficult. Um, it was very stressful. I remember my, my pops was was tripping. He was really, really stressed out. My mom and my dad were talking. My brother and me were confused. We didn't know exactly what, what we were gonna do to fix the situation. And after about 10 minutes of processing and talking, I interrupted everybody and I said, all right, cool. Is anybody still coming to church with me? I wanna go to church still. And that kind of snapped everybody out of him. My mom and my brother got in the car. We went to service. And as I pulled up to the church, as I was parking, my tire rubs the curb and I hear and now on top of what just happened, I got a flat tire and I'm going to begin out of the car and looking and just like taking a deep breath. Like, of course, this happened when it rains, it pours. But my immediate response was this flat tire going to be here when we get out. Let's go to church. Let's worship God. Let's let's do what we came here to do. And we went to the worship service. And and, you know, when I came back out and Angel hadn't fixed the car and made everything better, the tire was still flat. Somebody had to help me fix it. But as I think back on this time, I'm always struck by how unfazed I was. By how unshaken I was by the things that were happening. And it was because I was, I was at that time just so, so invested, so yoked to Jesus. That was my only concern. And sure, I was 17, and I had less responsibilities, and there was less on my shoulders, and I didn't have three children to provide for, and I didn't have to pay rent or mortgage or anything like that. But maybe that's why a couple verses before this, Jesus says that God chooses to reveal the kingdom to little children. Because somehow when life gets in the way, when all of the life comes at you, you can lose sight of God, lose sight of the fact that as long as you're yoked to Jesus, then you don't have to worry about anything. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Don't you know that your father loves you and will take care of you? And when you understand this, when you walk in this consistently, when you're putting this always in front of your face, because that's the thing, we get distracted and our heads turn. But when you're putting the, the yoke of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the truth of the scriptures that, that we have, the truth of how he lived his life constantly before you, you can hold to that rest. You cannot be shaken. You can be restful enough to sleep through the storm. Because you know your father is good and you're walking with the creator of all life. But the alternative we so often choose is to deny Jesus' yoke. Jesus offers his yoke up to us and we say, no thanks, I think I got this covered. No thanks, I know how to handle this. No thanks, but I don't see how this is going to fix that situation. Let me go take care of that first and then I'll come back and revisit this. We try to shoulder our burdens alone. We're building Legos without the instructions. And we can't experience the fullness of life this way. We can't experience the true rest that Jesus is promising. And so as we close and and the band comes back up, consider the invitation that Jesus is making us today. He says, come to me and find rest. For your souls, it's more than a physical rest. It's a deep rest at the core of your being, both in this life and eternally in the next. And so if you're in this room today and you're not a believer, if you're watching a stream and you're not a Christian, you're not following Jesus, this is the invitation that he makes to you, come to me and you will find rest. And if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, but you've been living your life void of this rest, if weary and heavy laden better describe you than resting in in the truth of Jesus, then this is the invitation he makes to you. Take upon my yoke and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is here, hands outstretched inviting us to take his yoke, either for the first time or for those of us who might have put it down to try to handle things on our own, to take it up again. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that your burden is easy and your yoke is light. We thank you that though it may not make sense to our eyes, to our natural eyes, to our natural way of seeing, your word is always true. We long for the rest that you promised. We need the rest that you promised because life is far too heavy to carry without you. Lead us, Jesus. Help us to take upon your yoke, to walk with you, to learn from you. Because you are humble and lowly in spirit. You are good. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.